and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories on tips on how you can find your purpose. We all have a gift we can bring to the world. Do you feel dead to life, like there's more to it, but you don't know where to start? Perhaps you don't fit in and you can't understand why. Are you pushing all the time and getting nowhere? Do you long to finally be sure which is the right path for you? This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, self-study, shows you how to find your purpose. The course demystifies the subject of Dharma and shows you that by following your highest excitement, you can unlock your greatest potential and create the life of your dreams. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma. Without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. Welcome to Kitty Talks. Have you applied yet for my Do Your Dharma course? Well, this course is for you if you feel stuck. You know there's more to life than you can see, but you don't quite know how to get there. Maybe you have got a burning desire, a passion, or maybe you just feel that you're not satisfied with the job that you're doing. If you actually deep, deep down are honest with yourself, you're not happy and you don't quite know how to climb out of that hole. Well, the Do Your Dharma course will help you get clear on your unique skills, passions and talents and show you how to utilise them and follow those skills and create your dharmic path. When we do our dharma, we're in the flow of life. Life should be easy. It's synchronistic. It flows. If you're pushing and things are difficult and hard, then you're definitely going the wrong direction. This eight-week online course with a community of women really active Facebook group is going to show you how to awaken your unique skills and talents and use them in service to the planet. A lot of our graduates are now have gone on to do the things that they only thought were in their dreams. So apply now www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your dharma. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to John Harold Moore, who is a family constellation facilitator a Course in Miracles teacher and a wonderful life coach. And this interview is a perfect example of when you follow your joy, life flows. So without further ado, let's dive in. So good afternoon and welcome to Kitty Talks. This week I have a real treat for you. This gentleman came into my life by a mutual friend, Kerry Steers, And he has been fantastic, actually. He really has helped me work through some stuff. Um, He is a family constellation facilitator. And we're going to go into more detail about what that means in this podcast. He's also a life coach and also a Course in Miracles teacher. So, John Harold Moore, welcome to Kitty Talks. Thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Oh my gosh, Kitty, I am so honored to be here. And really, I know that seems like a cliche, people say that, but when I found out what you're doing with these podcasts, that is right up my alley, just inspiring people to, uh, by sharing, having others share their story. So bravo to you, and I'm just really excited to be here. <laughs> so I have to tell you, this man has the most beautiful heart, and he, his energy just shines through everything he does. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to be here. I've got goosebumps already, so the team are in action. They're, uh, they're obviously <laughs> Um, John, I kind of told the... Yes, I just got the angel bumps too. <laughs> God bumps, they are with us. <laughs> um, but John, do you yes, mind yes. sharing... Obviously, I know what family constellation work is now because I've actually experienced it. But would you mind sharing with our audience like what this is and uh, a little bit more detail so they can get their heads around it? Sure. Well, I can't promise they'll be able to get their heads around it. I often tell people it's the hardest part of my job is to explain what the heck family constellations are. <laughs> but in my, my nutshell sentences, it is a powerful healing modality that helps you uncover what you might be carrying for your family that is uh, these unconscious loyalties we have that... Um, and these recurring patterns that keep us from the happy life we were meant to live. So we all know that we can get eye color and hair color and maybe a, a good business sense or a love of music can be passed down from our family. But what a lot of people don't know is that you can also get um, have family traumas or pain or uncomfortable or not so beneficial things passed down as well. In the energetic field and the DNA, we can... We can trace it in more of a scientific way, but also in a more energetic way. Uh, it's very similar to past life regressions in a way, because we're carrying things um, with us now that we might not have ever connected the dots, that something that happened to our grandmother when she was 25 could possibly be why our business is struggling. And what Family Constellations does is because of the what we call the knowing field that connects us all, it reveals things that um, that might be tripping you up now. Mm. And, I, and I suppose if I give some context as well, because I, I was working with John to help my mum, because obviously a lot of you guys know that my mum and our family have mental health issues. And so I chose to work with John around mental health issues because I'm keen not to pass those on to my children. Uh, and also uh, drug and alcohol, because that's also something else that runs in my family. And and can you just explain, John, because it, it can work on uh, pretty much anything, can't it? Can't it? From what I understand, it's... it's yes, yes. We, it's, it really does. It can, <clears throat> it can help you with a recurring health issue. It can help with business. It can help with your relationships. It can help with your finances and prosperity consciousness. There's really um, no, no area that it couldn't be helpful. And I think it could be helpful for everyone. Um, and maybe it would help for me to give, a, give an example from my own family. It's an example that's so... Um, such classic family constellation. Um, so my grandmother, my mother's mother, she lost her husband in a diving accident um, when she was pregnant with my mom. So my grandmother was a widow at a young age. And then 
my father passed away when I was seven through cancer. And so my mom was a widow at a young age. And I have three sisters. And one of my sisters also became a widow at a young age. So here's this pattern that has repeated. And some might say, wow, John, it seems like your family is cursed. Or what's this? Why do all these women become widows at young ages? And really, from a family constellation's point of view, it is just a pattern that's repeating. I can imagine that my grandmother in 1929, during the Great Depression here in the U.S., that uh, there was, she was pregnant, and baby on the way, her husband dies, what am I going to do? How am I going to support this little girl? Um, I've got, there are no jobs. There, <laughs> what, you know, I, she was, she probably didn't have a whole lot of time to grieve the passing of her husband. And she just had to toughen up. And my grandma was a very tough lady. And she found a way. But in a way, um, the reason that we call it family constellations, let me back up a little bit, is just like um, if you were to go outside tonight and look for a constellation like the Big Dipper or Orion's Belt. And if it was cloudy and one of the, um, one of the stars was covered up by a cloud, you may not recognize the constellation. Well, the same is true in families. If somebody is forgotten or excluded or it's too painful to talk about them for some reason, the family feels out of balance, like th there's something missing. And that was the case with my family. Because we didn't really talk about my grandfather on my mother's side too much, and my grandmother remarried, and that's who I knew as my grandfather. So not that we consciously did it but in a way my grandfather my biological grandfather was excluded and that because the family um the family soul uh, in constellations we believe that just like we have a soul the family has a soul and the family soul wants two things it wants the family to keep going and it wants love to keep flowing through the family so if there's anywhere that the love is blocked or a movement is is not uh completed or somebody is forgotten, it tries to find a way to bring them back in. And so unconsciously, we can attract these situations. I'm sure my mother and my sister did not plan to be a widow at a young age. But because of the dynamics of the family, it's almost like saying, see how much I love you, mom, I'll do the same thing as a way to be connected. And of course, that's not what somebody would want on a conscious level. But it is, it's always about love underneath everything. So that's the the example I like to share because it's so clear. Mm. Yeah, so anyone listening, you know, I would have a think and have a look at your own family because it's fascinating when you actually start to look at your family patterns. Like I think all of us probably can spot some type of pattern that we have running through our lineage. And the way I look at it, John, is it's almost like you're clearing up your, your family line, your energetic family line. So it, like you said, it doesn't then repeat going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when, when we do this work, we are not only benefiting ourselves, but we are benefiting the ancestors behind us and our descendants, our, our children, our grandchildren. We are getting the love flowing again. It's kind of like uh, when, when you have a dam and it's blocking a stream, you kind of remove the dam and then the water, the stream can continue flowing again. So that's what we're doing is removing the blocks and I love that um, in A Course in Miracles, in the introduction to A Course in Miracles, it says that we're here just to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. 
And so when I did my first family constellation, I thought, oh my gosh, this is a course in miracles in action. This is principles of oneness and not judging anything that happens and inclusion. It's to me, I don't know if everyone that does constellation sees it that way, but for me, it was a real direct correlation. And that's why I, I fell into it so quickly and so easily. And I fell in love with it because I'd been studying the course for a long time. And it was like, oh my gosh, I can, I can, we can actually, instead of just talk about it, we can have the experience of it. And that's one of the biggest gifts of family constellation is you can talk about a situation for 10 years, but when you have an experience in a constellation, either a private session or a group session, it, it's something that will stick with you forever. And you, you, it's different. It's like, oh, I can move forward with a different picture, with a different story now. And everything changes once we have a different story inside us. And I, I can definitely be testament to that because to explain a little bit more about the actual physical process, so you, I worked with John at the beginning and he talked to me about the things that I was looking to clear and any kind of family history and family packing and, and my experience of it. And then how it works is um, you have nine people, is that, or you, you have nine pieces of paper that represent nine different things. So they could be family members. Yes or they could be the things that you're trying to work on, and you place them in the room wherever intuitively feels correct. And as, uh, John, have you have you done this process? You've done this process yourself, so you've been on both sides. Um, but it's pretty interesting because you don't really know what's going on. Yes, so, yes. John was kind of just directing me and saying, you know, just do intuitively what feels right. Yes. And so you're kind of, you know, you're standing on a piece of paper and you're saying, well, I, I feel like this. And I'm thinking, I don't know if this is right, if this is completely bonkers. Yes. Um, <laughs> what's fascinating is when you have the end of the session is the patterns and the people and it all falls into place. And of course, you then become conscious and aware of what each person or piece of paper represented. Um, and like, for example, in our family, we, I had, uh, I think it was number nine, which was literally going out the door. Um, and that was joy. Um, and bearing mm -hmm. in mind our family, we're trying to work on being happier mm. and getting rid of depression. Joy was going <laughs> out the door. We, were trying to it back in. we, don't, we don't want joy <laughs> going out the door. <laughs> but absolutely, yeah. fascinating, absolutely fascinating stuff, John. And, do you, and can you um, tell our audience, because obviously, you also are well schooled in the Course in Miracles. Like how did how did that come into your life? Well, that was definitely um, one of those God things. Just it was meant to be. Um, I one of the jobs I've had in my crazy <laughs> roller coaster career uh, was I went to massage school in two thousand two in Miami, Educating Hands School of Massage, great school. And one of my classmates, she we, she and I really connected. And once I started on the spiritual path, she, she told me that I needed to read this book called Disappearance of the Universe by Gary Renard. And I thought, okay, that's great. I already had a, like a stack of anyone new in the spiritual path knows that you probably got 20 books that people have recommended. And so I added that one to the list. And she was so insistent that I read this book. And then she found out the author was coming to Miami to give a talk on his second book. And she said, John, you have to, you have to, you have to read this book. And so she gifted me her, her set of CDs, the audio version of the book. 
and I listened to it in my car in between massage appointments. And it was like this revelation, this door open and the light, like this had answered more of my questions than anything else I'd studied so far. And what I didn't know is that this book was an explanation of A Course in Miracles, of just a conversation between three people about what the Course is teaching. And to anyone who has opened up the book for the first time, it can be quite intimidating with the <laughs> languaging and it's the size of it. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's a very big, heavy book, both literally and figuratively, or it can be. And Disappearance of the Universe, they call it the decoder ring for A Course in Miracles. So I listened to that. I went to the talk. I met Gary Renard. And I bought my first copy of the course, uh, like maybe a month later after I finished reading his second book. And it, and I've, that was 2006. So I've been studying it for 12 years and it has, it has just shifted my life in ways I could never have imagined through some really difficult times. It came at the perfect time when I was in a not so healthy relationship. My mom had just come to Florida uh, to live near me, and she was an alcoholic and started drinking again when she came down. So there was a lot of chaos in my life, and I really needed something to help me come back to inner peace despite what was going on in the outside world. And the course was such a gift. So I will always be grateful to my friend Gwyneth for, for insisting that I read that book. Mm, how fascinating. And talk to me about how, because obviously it sounds to me like um, the book found you at the right time. Um, when did you decide? Yes, <laughs> yes. And these things always do. When we're ready, they find us. Um, but talk to me about when you decided, yes. decided then to become a teacher of it. Well, the the course is interesting because I think we're, well, in life in general, we're all students and teachers. We're all learning all the time and we're all teaching all the time, whether we consider ourselves a teacher or not. We most of us are teaching by examples. You parents out there know that whenever you do something, your kids are watching and they're, they're going to imitate you. So I love teaching by example as best I can. So to be a teacher of the course, they're really, it's, it's really a self-study course. It says that also right in the beginning, but it can be complicated. So we come together and in these discussion groups about it. So I use the term teacher loosely. There is actually a, a section in the course called the Manual for Teachers, but really we're all teachers and students uh, of the course. Um, that those of us that are reading it and studying it, it's not like a course that you do like in college where you do it once and then you're done. You can check that off the list. It really is a, a way of life. It's a thought system that will help you uh, come back to peace, like I said, despite what's going on in the outer world. And... I just loved it so much. And I, I like, as anyone who has discovered something that really works for them, you want to tell the whole world about it. And so that's when I said, I've, I've got to share this. The same with Family Constellations. As soon as I did my first one, I asked the woman who was facilitating, how do you learn how to do this? And she said, I'm so glad you asked. I'll teach you. <laughs> and so I immediately started studying uh, to be a facilitator. So that just... You know, like anything, when you love something so much, it, I just, I couldn't keep it to myself and I wanted to share it with whoever would listen. <laughs> and, take, and take me back, John, because obviously we kind of jumped into when you were studying massage. But um, now when you look back at your life, we mentioned this before we came on air, I always think hindsight mm -hmm. is a wonderful thing. Uh, 
when you look back at the breadcrumbs of your life, <laughs> yes, can you see that there's been a pattern to it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned breadcrumbs because one of the many things that I did, I was a puppeteer and the first show I learned was Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> and so there was, it was all about breadcrumbs. But that is that puppet show that I did in Washington, D.C. was one of my breadcrumbs. Um, I, you know, as I said, I, I grew up in upstate New York and um, had a kind of a chaotic family life. Once my father passed, my mom started drinking. And, you know, we, I'm so blessed to have the family that I do because when things like when tragedy happens, families, I think either they they go their separate ways and they split or they come together really tightly. And, and mine did the latter. We really, like, I could call any one of my brother or sisters right now and they would be there for me and, and likewise. So I, I really feel grateful that I had the family I did, even as crazy and dysfunctional <laughs> as it was. Um, and so I, I kind of have, I'm a lot younger than my siblings, seven years between my closest sister and I. So I kind of had the best of both worlds. I from a big family, but yet kind of like an only child because they all spoiled me pretty pretty badly. Um, but I do think it's because of the love that they gave me that I can do the work that I do and just be this loving presence as much as I can in the world. And so I I went to school for advertising design uh, in Syracuse University. I thought that I wanted to be Darren Stevens from Bewitched. Uh, that was my only reference to what being in advertising design was, making commercials and creating ads. But, you know, truth be told, I really wanted to be Samantha and not Darren <laughs> and make magical things happen. So uh, the universe kind of played a trick on me. So I went to Syracuse University for art. And they, I know one of the reasons I went is they also had a drama program. And halfway through, I my I decided to take a an acting for non-majors class, and I loved it. And so my drama professor helped me audition for the drama department, and I wrote my own monologue based on something that happened with my mom during her heavy drinking days when I was in high school, and I got in. And so um, I, and I, when I told my art advisor, she did not try to talk me out <laughs> of transferring. So I know that was that was the first like breadcrumb, like to follow my joy instead of doing what I thought I should do because advertising, you know, there was money in that and I could make a career out of it. And you know, the chances of becoming a successful actor are not great. But I followed my joy, and that was the first time that taking a leap of faith and following my joy paid off. And that led to, um, I ended up moving to Washington, D.C. with and lived with one of my sisters who lived there. And I got a job in the box office at some regional theaters there. And that, but I, again, I realized that I could have, I was doing very well behind the scenes and I could have done, followed the path of theater administration, but I wanted to be on stage or in front of the camera so that's when I decided I needed to make a change. And I sent out resumes. I went through the phone book. This is before internet and all the resources we have now. And I sent a, a resume to all the production companies in the DC area. And the only one that responded was Bob Brown Puppets. 
And I don't know why I sent a, a resume to them. They asked me, why are you sending a resume to us? But it just sounded like a fun company to work for. So they called me in and I talked with them and they said that they don't have anything uh, for me right now, but would I like to come and volunteer uh, and just spend some time with them? And these, these two uh, puppeteers, Bob and Judy Brown, they did the marionettes in Sound of Music, um, the goat marionettes, and they also were on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and they had some stories. So I just loved spending time with them. And then over the Christmas holiday, that's when we did the Hansel and Gretel show and they trained me how to be a puppeteer. So I got trained by two of the best puppeteers in the business. And little did I know that a year later, I would be in Orlando and that would be, and my puppeteering skills got me hired at Walt Disney World Resort. Um, so again, seeing the breadcrumbs, I see exactly why I left a full-time job with benefits to work with these crazy puppet people <laughs> for a five-week uh, engagement that was did not have benefits, but I just knew, like, there was something in me that knew I had to do that. And so I'm so glad, and that's what I would, one of the things I would recommend to all of your listeners is the, the path doesn't always make sense to your logical mind, but when you follow your joy, when you follow things that light you up, that there are miracles and blessings beyond your wildest dreams. And working for Disney for seven years in the entertainment department, I got, yes, I was the, the people that walked around in the Tigger costume and Pluto. And I also got to be John Smith from Pocahontas. And I got to be the prince from Sleeping Beauty. And it was, it was just such, you know, pardon the cliche, it was such a magical time in my life to be part of that experience, to be part of something that everybody on the planet almost, or everyone that has an internet knows about Disney World or wants to go to Disney World. And oh, I just, I can't say enough about that time. It, it really got me out of my shell because I was painfully, painfully shy before that, even with my, my degree in acting. So to be able to put on a character head and nobody knew who I was and dance around and be silly and be crazy, but nobody knew that it was John was exactly what I needed. I, I know spirit knew what it was doing when it had me do that job because eventually my face had to be showing and I was in the Christmas parade and we went out the gate and I'm on the castle float standing next to Sleeping Beauty and there's all these people with cameras. I'm getting those God bumps just talking about it. And it was like, okay, here you are. Don't fall off the float because <laughs> it'll be really embarrassing. Um, but it definitely prepared me for what I'm doing now and to be comfortable even doing an interview like this with you, Kitty. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you made that point because I think following our joy, it, it is as simple as that. It's like, you know, what I, what I love for our audience to do when they hear these interviews is if they hear enough people say it, <laughs> it's almost like it compounds and you believe it yes <laughs> you know, when you follow your joy it's almost like we have this inner sat now and we we know when things are off course like you said you just knew that you needed to take that job you couldn't explain why and it probably wouldn't make logical sense and I think that is the other thing that if we're going to do our dharma and if we're going to live lives that are following our highest excitement then we have to almost surrender to it because 
it's an unfolding adventure. You you will not know all of the answers at the beginning of the part. You know, they're, they're shown to you as you go along. Absolutely. Absolutely. So an, another example of that, I, I um, so I was ended up uh, when I was in Orlando, I did that for seven years. And then that became obvious that it was um, like I was I didn't want to go into supervision of the entertainment department or go into a more administrative role because I liked playing and being in front of the camera. I'm a Leo after all. So um, I decided the, yeah, <laughs> the call of the ocean and uh, lured me down to South Florida. And I, one of my best friends from college uh, who still lives in South Florida, he, um, I moved in with him and we, and I started I worked for a company that put shows on cruise ships for a while, but that didn't feel like the right fit for me. Again, I was behind the scenes and I've been thinking about going to massage school because I had always um, given my mom back rubs and my three older sisters. And I was work at Disney when people came out of the costumes, like, oh, my neck is stiff. So I would work on them. And one of my friends said, John, why don't you go to massage school and, and do this for a living. You do it all the time anyway. And well, there's a brilliant idea. <laughs> so um, so I did. And I did some research and I found the school. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it, as I said, it turned out to... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. One of my spiritual teachers said, genius is uh, when you see something that's been right in front of you all along, and somebody else has to point it out to you. <laughs> um, so I went to that massage school, and again, perfectly timed because I I had moved to South Beach, and it's a little bit. If anyone has seen the movie Birdcage, it's a little bit like that. Back in the early two thousands, it was definitely a party scene, and. I was carrying so much pain for my family that I didn't realize I was carrying because I hadn't done family constellations yet, um, that I just wanted to party and, and do some recreational drugs. And I felt like I was part of a tribe and I knew all the drag queens and I could get on the guest list. And I was having a good old time dancing um, in those clubs until the wee hours of the day and not thinking about my mom who was still um, in the throes of her addiction back in upstate New York. That was the only thing that could get me to be in the present moment. And I see it now as such a gift and a blessing. I mean, it, it, I, I'm so grateful that it didn't grab me uh, like it does so many, and I was able to move past it. But I had a lot of judgment about my partying days back then because of my mom. And here I am judging her for abusing alcohol and I'm out there <laughs> doing these other drugs. Um, but I see now that some of the drugs that I was doing helped me to experience that joy that I wasn't able to get to any other way. And I'm so grateful now that I have other ways that I can get to that joy. But again, looking back, I see that that was exactly what I needed to bring me to where I was today. And so during that was when I started coming out of that phase and another um, not so great relationship that I am, again, so grateful for because it literally brought me to my knees and said, there has to be another way. Like what I'm doing right now is not working. And that was, I think that's a place that we all get to in our 
in our lives, at some point we say there's got to be another way. And that's when we start searching for these teachings. And as you said earlier, Kitty, you know, when we're ready, the teacher, the book, the movie, the program, the class appears. And I was definitely, definitely ready. And so in 2002, I, I started going to massage school. And one of my neighbors said, John, I think you should come to church with me. And I said, oh, no, no, church is not for me. I didn't really grow up with it after my dad passed. We didn't go to church very much. And I didn't really believe in God. I thought, how could there be a God when all these terrible things have happened in my life? My father dies. My, my favorite grandmother died. My mom is an alcoholic. My dog died. I was convinced that there couldn't be a God. And anyone who believed in God was just didn't know any better, and they didn't have science. That was that was my my sense back then. So when my neighbor told me that I sh- he thought I should come to church with them because he was tired of seeing me crying all the time. <laughs> At that point, I was so desperate for another way that I went, and it was a Unity Church in Miami, Unity on the Bay, and I walked through that door and. Um, it was like I had come home. It was great music, positive messages. There were other people from the LGBT community there. So there was no ostracizing or you can't come because you're gay and that's not okay with God. It was just very empowering and loving. And so I really credit the Educating Hands and Unity on the Bay to be like that. Those two organizations that turned my life 180 degrees and I started going in a positive direction and I started loving myself and I started um, seeing that there was more going on than meets the eye and you know my school my massage school was a little on the woo-woo side we we talked about crystals and essential oils and energy work and I learned how to do something called La Ho Chi which is similar to Reiki and it those 13 classmates were I was just felt so held and there was such love between us. I don't know if there has ever been a class like our class. Maybe every class says that, but they were the perfect people for me to heal and to get, you know, loving touch and to feel supported and to push myself past my boundaries and learn, oh my gosh, all those muscles. At one point I thought I couldn't possibly learn another muscle where it begins and where it ends and what it does. Um, but it was the that year was so pivotal for me to be and do what I'm doing now. I'll forever, forever be grateful. And I still attend a unity church here in Houston. So any of your listeners that maybe a traditional church isn't your thing, the unity movement or centers for spiritual living, both very similar is such a a positive place where to be in community. I think that's a really important thing too, is to have a spiritual community when things go off track or when these these challenges happen to have spiritual community is such a gift i'm so grateful for that too yeah i think you've made some really really valid points there john like you know i think as human beings we 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 need to fit in like that's one of the the things that we want a community whether we're conscious of it or not and i think sometimes we go looking for that connection in the wrong places like I could relate to your story about where you were saying, you know, you were looking through drugs and alcohol for a connection. Um, because I think so many of us yep. go through that stage. We know, we know there's something missing, but we're looking for it in the wrong places. Um, and it takes sometimes us to have 
complete rock bottoms before we start to sort of rebuild in a more positive and healthy way. Um, so no, thank you so much, John. Yeah, really fascinating to hear your story and how you've, you know, followed your breadcrumbs, really followed your breadcrumbs and then worked on yourself as well to get yourself into a healthy. <laughs> but I think, you know, all of us have stuff that we bring in in this lifetime from from this lifetime from families, you know, so we're all gonna be carrying stuff. I think it's a commitment that we have to make that this is a life life commitment that we've really got to make that to learn and grow and to work through our stuff and uh, and then it becomes a lot easier to be I think above the veil you know like otherwise we're we're in a too left too lower vibration almost to be able to see what's available for us yes I, I was just reading a section in the course the other day is called above the battleground and it talks about when we're on the battlefield and we're dodging bullets, you know, in the everyday life and we're all so caught up in it and hiding behind trees, there's no way for you to find peace. But when you rise above the battleground and you can see it from a bigger picture, become the observer, see that everything is happening for you, not to you, even if it doesn't look like it at the time. Like in my case, I can see how growing up with an alcoholic mother and all the chaos that that like that that brought me to where I am today to be a spiritual seeker. So, but I had to rise above the battleground, rise, you know, become the observer. And I love when we are aware, we can never go back. Like, oh, I think that one of the things I share with my coaching clients all the time is awareness equals choice. Like, if I'm not aware that this is a destructive pattern, or if I'm not aware that I'm carrying pain for my mom, or I'm not aware then I, I can't do anything about it. But once I have the awareness, I can do something about it. And I, Yeah, and I think that's a very valid point. And I think anyone listening to this, you know, it's about, about how you feel. Like if your days are filled 80, 90, 100% with joy, then you're, you sound like to me like you're on the right path. But if you literally are heavy every day and you don't necessarily enjoy life and you feel in ch inside that it's, it's not the right path then that's your first signpost that you need to look at something and look at your what's happening in your life and look at the areas that you could essentially refine and take responsibility for because I think you're so right John when you take responsibility we get our power back absolutely I totally agree with that that we you know, it's it's a, a bitter pill to swallow sometimes when we learn that we are 100% responsible for everything that happens to us. So it's kind of, it's the good news and the bad news because, because we are 100% responsible, we can do something about it. But it's the bad news when you think, wait a minute, why would I create that? Or why would I, that's not what I want. But when we see that that's one of the beautiful things about family constellations as well is I like to think of it like a slide projector and it's like taking out the old slide and putting in a new one so that what you project out into your world is a much happier picture than the one that you were carrying like, oh, my, you know, my family, my, I wish my mom didn't drink and, you know, my other friends didn't have to do laundry when they were 10 years old or worry about where they were going to get dinner. And that story is a very disempowering story. And when I can take out that old slide, that poor me, I'm a victim, and why is this happening to me, and put in this new slide that um, this it happened for a reason. Like I, 
I had the, this journey with my mom. I can tell you that uh, um, the arc of how I think my mom and I signed up for the advanced class on unconditional love because I was always wanting her to be different. I was always wanting her to not drink or not smoke. And um, she was, she would have loved to, for me to, she, she came to accept me being gay eventually, uh, or actually pretty quickly, but of course she had, she wanted grandkids and she wanted to, she was worried that I wouldn't be happy or that something would happen to me. And but we eventually got there. And I, one thing I can also recommend to your listeners is this amazing CD called Graceful Passages. It was created by Gary Malkin and Michael Stillwater. And it's a companion to the end of life. So anyone who is care, a caregiver for someone towards the end of their life or, or just something to have in your toolbox, this it's a CD where um, they interviewed these wisdom keepers and what they would tell their grandchildren if they knew they were dying. And they edited the interview down to like the, the best five, six, seven minutes. And then Gary Malkin composed, he's a film score composer, so he composed music underneath it. And one of my friends gifted me this towards the end of my mom's life. And I listened to that CD with her. She was unconscious at the time, but I held her hand and we listened to that CD together. I asked the hospice nurse to give us some privacy. And I cried my eyes out <laughs> for about 45 minutes listening to the beautiful words and beautiful music. It's, it's such a gift from source. And during that, during that hour, something happened. It, it shifted from my head to my heart. It, like in my head, I knew everything happened for a reason. And I knew everything was exactly as it needed to be for me to be where I am, but it hadn't dropped into my heart yet. And after that, it completely dropped into my heart. My heart was wide open and I knew, and I actually, I thanked my mom. I said, I thank you, mom. You were the perfect mom for me. And I 100% meant it, that everything that happened, the good, the bad, the ugly, all, I mean, my, I get a, my sense of humor from my mom. She could make a joke out of anything, anything, anything. And I'm so grateful. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that she was the right and perfect mom for me. And I don't know if I could have said that and really meant it completely until that moment. And that's one thing I would offer also is I've learned during doing this, these family constellations for the past six or six seven years is that our heart is either open or closed. It can't be open to some people and closed some, to some others. And it's perfectly understandable that we might have to put a protective shell around our heart just to carry on and to protect ourselves. But at some point, all of us need to eventually start melting that shell so that the love can come out because it's hard for love to move back and forth if there's a protective coating around the heart. So once we open our heart completely, then the love just flows in and out effortlessly, just like you and I breathing. And it makes such a difference when I, when I got that. That was one of the big aha moments I got from doing family constellations work. Mm. Yes, and I, I definitely would echo that. I think, you know, I had to work really hard to basically get 
into my emotions and to open my heart to life. You know, I think you're right. I think sometimes depending on what's happened to us when we're younger, we put this protective shield around us so we don't feel we can't get hurt. But actually, we also can't feel the joy of life and we can't be connected to what's happening. So I think if you're listening to this and you feel like that could be you, that you're slightly dead to life and that you are disconnected, then there's definitely some work for you to do there. And, you know, definitely family constellation work could be something that could help you and um, help you. Because I think the real beauty of life is in the feeling, you know, like that's been my journey, John. Like only, I would say, the last... 10 years I've really been connected to my feelings and my emotions and you know life is so much better when you're in that space yes yes and we it really is just about allowing like how much joy are we able to allow into our lives because there is no limit to it and if I don't feel worthy if I feel like inherently there's something wrong with me then I'm going I'm not going to allow a wonderful relationship into my life or I'm not I'm going to have a job where I'm not respected or, or my, my opinion isn't uh, taken into consideration, or I'm going to create these situations where uh, unconsciously, and I'm not saying all the, it's not always on a conscious level. Um, mostly it's part of our, our, our consciousness that we can access directly, but we unconsciously create these situations to get our needs met and, or to, create situations where we want to be punished because we feel like we've done something wrong. And that's one of the main tenets of A Course in Miracles is our, our unconscious guilt for somehow feeling like we could be separate from our source has created all these, these experiences where we have, you know, um, car accidents or, or health challenges or abusive relationships or, um, and the antidote to everything is love just what would love do in this situation or remembering that I am love, that I am light, that I didn't do anything wrong. I couldn't possibly be separated from my source or anyone else. And that is, that is not always easy to remember because things happen and they distract us and these things come up and that's exactly the ego is very tricky. It's like an illusionist smoke and mirrors, like look over here. Don't look at the truth. Look over here at what these horrible things that are happening on the news and but don't look at this wonderful flower that's right in front of you or don't look at the person that's opening their arms out to give you a hug um it wants it tries to distract us into something else so that's one of the beautiful teachings of the course is to remember who we really are is just the love and light that we are oh thank you kitty it really has been a, a great joy i when you asked me to be on i was like yes 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 everything in my in my being said yes so i'm really glad to have had this opportunity and to share my journey because it's an interesting one but not really that different from anybody else's we're all doing the best we can with what we know and and i'm hoping and trusting that something that we've shared here today has given somebody something that they can carry forward and have a different experience of life and have more miracles and joy. Mm, yeah, if you're listening to this, you know, follow that joy. You know, do it earlier than we do. <laughs> you know, learn from our mistakes. But we will have all of John's details in the show notes. So you'll, we'll put his website, his contact details, his Instagram, all in the show notes. So you'll be able to connect with him there. But John, thank you once again. And we will see you next week with another amazing guest on Kitty Talks. Bye-bye. 
So thank you for listening to this week's episode of Kitty Talks. If you haven't already, go and follow me on Instagram, kitty underscore talks, or join our Facebook community. If you just type in Kitty Talks into Facebook, you can join our Facebook community of women all doing their dharma, all uncovering their purpose and living and creating amazing lives. See you there. This podcast was sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. Create a life so good that you pinch yourself. This eight-week online course demystifies Dharma and shows you how to tune in to why you're really here. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma.